name is Tyler, and welcome to another episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. This is your first time hearing, or if you've missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has them downloadable, or at contextforkids.com, where I have transcripts for readers, or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel. Parents, all scripture comes from the CSB this week, the uh, Christian Standard Bible, and we will be in Genesis 11 and Acts 2. Today's podcast is about the one language at the Tower of Babel and the miracle of Pentecost. Now, we're starting Genesis chapter 11 today, and so that means some really exciting stuff. The Tower of Babel is really complicated, and it's a controversial story. Complicated because there are a lot of context tidbits that are hard to notice and controversial because there are so many theories and I will be sharing some of them with you. Now, sometimes that shocks and surprises people because when we only hear one story, we just assume that we know for sure what happened. But in the Bible, there aren't usually very many details about some of the most famous stories of all storytellers fill in the blanks with guesses. You know, our what-if stories. And after a while, when we read the Bible, we have those in mind and we forget that they're guesses. Now, that would be a huge problem if the Bible was a book about famous quotes from Noah, when he only says one thing the entire story, or gardening tips from Adam and Eve, when nothing at all is said about that, or the life and times of Nimrod, when we don't know much of anything, or the shocking true-life reason why the people built the Tower of Babel. But this book is about God and how he relates to us. The Bible is God's story, and not Noah's or Nimrod's or anyone else's. They're just side characters or extras in God's story. And God is the one we need to know about. Everything else? Well, just interesting and helps us understand God and his rescue plan better. Now, the story of the Tower of Babel begins with two mini-mysteries and an idiom that will be important throughout the entire Bible. And not only the Bible, but the beliefs of every ancient culture. Genesis 11, verses 1 through 2, say, The whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. As people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and settled there. First of all, what does the idiom, the whole earth, mean? Because it is an idiom, that means it doesn't exactly mean what it says it means. Now, obviously, the planet earth doesn't talk, so the whole earth can't mean the planet. But it also doesn't usually mean all the people on earth either. Sometimes it does, but phrases like, all the world and the whole world only mean a small part of the world. Like in Luke 2, we see that Caesar Augustus commanded that all the world be registered so they could be taxed. But all that means is the Roman Empire. Caesar had no authority over all of Europe or Asia or Africa, just small parts. But they called their lands all the world anyway. And people knew what it meant. So what does it mean that the whole earth had the same language and vocabulary? Well, there are a few possibilities. The first is that this all took place before Genesis 10 and the Table of Nations, 
before Nimrod, before all the generations split off with their lands, clans, nations, and languages. Now that's possibly, possibly what Moses was telling them. Maybe this is the whole group of Noah's descendants as they're traveling away from the mountains of Ararat, where it would do no good to try and plant a vineyard or raise critters, and perhaps they found this wonderful oasis in a valley in Sumer. And remember, what the Bible calls Shinar, we call Sumer. It's the cradle of civilization where we can find so much proof of ancient people exactly where the Bible says they were. And if that's the case, it's no surprise that the people all still had the same language and vocabulary. Now, the second possibility is that this happened hundreds of years after Noah, maybe during the life of Nimrod, and maybe he was even there. Now, remember, he isn't mentioned as being there at all. And in fact, no one's ever named in the story except God. We left Nimrod back at the beginning of chapter 10, and by this time, maybe the people were different enough that they did have their own languages already. Remember that when the ancient people wrote their genealogies, their family trees, that they didn't mention every single person, just the famous ones. So we don't know exactly how long after Noah that Nimrod would have been born. We just know that Somewhere in between Noah and Nimrod were Ham and Cush. Now, we do know that Ham was the actual son of Noah. But as for Cush and Nimrod, it isn't totally clear, but that's okay. Not everyone has to do the things the way we do them now, right? So maybe this was hundreds and hundreds of years after Noah, and there were already a whole lot of languages and people groups out there which descended from them. Now, if that was the case, then the one language that the people all had might have been what we call an international language. An international language is a language that the people from all different places speak when they want to communicate with one another. Do you know what the international languages are in the world today? The languages that businessmen learn so they can do business with people all over the world so they can communicate with each other and not just be totally confused or always needing translators. The most common business languages are English and Mandarin Chinese. But Spanish and Arabic are also becoming very important. <clears throat> if a person could speak English, Mandarin, Spanish, and Arabic fluently, then they could make a ton of money working for businesses. And although it might sound funny that if a person from India and Germany wanted to do business together, that they might talk to one another in English, well, that's just one of the easy ways to do it. Easiest ways to do it. So maybe a lot of time had gone by and people already had many languages, but they still had the language that Noah spoke in common. And they used that to communicate with one another, even if... Their cultures and languages had become very different. <clears throat> so that's one mystery that we have because of Genesis 10, which is very strange. If Genesis 10 happened before Genesis 11, then they already had a bunch of languages plus another one that they could all use to understand each other when they were together. But if Genesis... 
11 happened before Genesis 10, then they all had the same language because nobody had split up yet. And um, you know what? It totally doesn't matter. It's just interesting. <laughs> I like these things because they remind me to read what is actually there and to think about it and not just assume that the movies and books have it right. The Bible is the most amazing book ever, but it doesn't tell us everything or answer all the questions because it is here to help us understand God and not every little thing that happened in history or science or whatever. God wants us to have a relationship with him, not a relationship with Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They're dead. We all know almost nothing about them anyway, so it really doesn't matter. So you probably already know what's going to happen in this story. The people, and it doesn't say how many, it might be all of them or just a few groups, People are going to get together to build a tower, and when they get together, they have the ability to understand one another. God's going to see what they're doing, and he's going to get very concerned about it. And he's going to make it so that they don't understand each other anymore. So either they all had the same language, and God made a bunch of brand new languages that were totally different from one another, or they already had a bunch of different languages, and God made them forget the one language that, you know, they had in common that maybe they got from Noah, you know, but they all still understood. But one way or another, by the end of the story, they will have absolutely no way to talk with one another anymore. Dude, that'd be so frustrating, right? It's hard enough to get anything done and to cooperate even when we do speak the same language. But when we don't, ugh, forget about it. Let's just go home and play tiddlywinks instead. So, that's the first mystery, and the second is a real puzzle. You see, sometimes the original Hebrew words can mean different things depending on how they're used, and sometimes we just don't know how to translate them. In this case, the Bible says, as people migrated from the east, in the English Standard Bible, but some other versions say, as people migrated to the east. So which one's right? The truth is, we don't know. Some people think it should say that they were going east because whenever people get into trouble in the Bible, they're usually headed east. East is away from Jerusalem and Israel, but they don't even exist in the story yet. Adam and Eve were booted out of the garden and had to go to the east. Cain ran away from home and from God and went east. When the Israelites and the Jews were conquered thousands of years Later, they were all forced to go to the east. So maybe the people were, you know, who were traveling were going toward the east. But it could also be saying that they were coming from the east. And the truth is, we just don't know for sure. It's another mystery. But I wanted you to know why different Bibles say different things. Now, you know that the Bible was originally in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, right? Three language that none of us can speak. So for me to be able to understand the Bible, there are two choice. Choice choices. Either I have to learn three ancient languages or someone who understands all those languages needs to translate them into English for me. Otherwise, I can just stare at the book all day and it will just look like a book of spy codes and I will never understand anything at all. 
you know, thank God that he gave us people who were really smart about languages and who love God and want to translate the Bible so that we can understand what God wants us to know. But here's the deal. It's really hard to translate from one language to another, no matter how smart you are. For example, you know, we've already talked about some words in ancient Hebrew that were only used once in the Bible and nowhere else in the whole world. What do these words mean? We don't know. Translators have to look at all the other words in the story that is being told and they have to make a guess as to what it meant. Now, sometimes through archaeology, we can find clues to what the word might have meant, but other times we just have no idea. That makes it a really hard job. Other times, we don't understand a situation in the Bible at all. There are actually a few laws in Exodus and Deuteronomy that no one understands, and even the ancient rabbis would admit that they were just guessing because it is a complete mystery. And again, sometimes we dig up an ancient law code from one of Israel's neighbors and we go, oh, so that's what they're talking about. Now, one of the biggest problems in translating anything from one language to another is that some languages have words that can't be translated accurately to another language and some that can't be translated at all. One of my favorite words in the whole world is Ubuntu, and there is no word in English for it. It's a South African word that describes how people should live together in love, harmony, and generosity. Ubuntu is the kind of word that Jesus would have created because it certainly is what he told us to do. But there is no word in English that means that, so if I had to translate something from South African to English, it would take a paragraph to explain that word every time it came up. English needs a word that means Ubuntu. Every language needs Ubuntu. Now, one more problem in translating from one language to another is that languages do not have the same sounds. And a lot of times people who speak one language can't pronounce names in another. Like when the Hebrew parts of the Bible were translated into Greek, well, Greek didn't have the Y sound or the SH sound. Plus, men's names had to begin or end with an S sound and women's names had to end with an ah sound. But a lot of men's names in Hebrew ended with vowel sounds, so they had to be changed when it all got translated. I mean, the man we call Joshua now, his name was Yehoshua. And in Greek, they had to make it Iesus, because they couldn't say the ye or the sh. And so the Jewish translators did the best they could to mimic those Hebrew sounds with Greek letters. And it isn't like the translator could just make up new letter symbols for these sounds because no one would know what they even meant and they didn't know how to make those sounds with their mouths. I mean, okay, imagine if I made a weird symbol and said it made a new sound. Now, unless I was there to tell you that sound, you have no idea what it was. It wasn't like they could go on YouTube and find out how to pronounce the new letter I made up. Not having one common language can be really confusing and tricky. And sometimes words have more than one meaning. English is like the worst language ever for that. Wound and wound are spelled exactly the same, but they mean entirely different things depending on what the rest of the sentence says. You can even use them both in the same sentence like the doctor wound her bandages around the wound. 
How about the wind began to blow, and so I started to wind my watch. Wind and wind are also spelled exactly the same way. If you handed somebody a slip of paper with just the spelling of one of those words on it, and you know, ask them how it's pronounced or what it meant, you know, they'd have they'd have to say they didn't know, or you know, they have to give more than one way to do it. So what a mess! And so we have these words in Hebrew that can mean a lot of different things. So we don't totally know if those people were traveling east or traveling from the east. But you know what? Doesn't matter because all these people are dead, and all that really matters is that they ended up in Shinar and they were able to all understand each other. And there will not be a test on this, I promise. So when you're doing something complicated. Like building a city and a tower whose top is all the way to the sky, you need to be able to talk to one another about it, or people are going to get hurt and they're going to argue, and mistakes will be made. All of a sudden, this really cool project becomes one big hassle, and you don't even know if you can trust anyone else because you have no idea what they're talking about. And when they give you a weird look, you can't ask them why. You can ask them anything, and they can't answer. And how would you even come up with a way of talking with people who speak so many different languages? A lot of people would want everyone to start talking to them in their own language instead of learning everyone else's. I mean, everyone thinks their language is the best, right? So all of a sudden, all they wanted to accomplish together is not worth the effort. Now, what would the world be like if we did? All have one language that we could all speak. I think we would trust each other a lot more. We would definitely be more able to understand what other people are thinking and wanting and needing. We could also accomplish amazing things, right? Would it be better than the way things are now? Do countries that have the same language get along with each other better than countries that don't? Yeah, pretty much. And yet. God is going to see people who can all talk with each other and understand and cooperate together, and He is going to make it so they can't. Why is what they're doing such a big problem? Well, that's a story for another day, because something amazing happened thousands of years later after Jesus rose from the dead, and after He left Earth to sit at the right hand of His Father, and it all has to do with the Bible holiday that we're celebrating this weekend. A holiday called Shavuot in Hebrew and Pentecost in Greek. Pentecost means fiftieth. It happens fifty days after the Feast of Firstfruits, the day on the Bible calendar when Jesus was resurrected with a brand new, perfect body that doesn't get old or sick anymore and can't die. And that's the kind of body we'll get to because we trust Him and believe that God did that because He was innocent and perfect. Anyway. Like ten days after Jesus left, his disciples, men and women, were all gathered in the same place, somewhere in the city of Jerusalem, and there were also Jews and God-fearing Gentiles from all over the world. Remember, that means all the world that they knew about. <laughs> they were staying in town too. These were people who had come to celebrate and worship God from all over the place, and they spoke many different languages. There would have been worshippers from Europe, from Rome and Greece and Spain, and from Africa, like Egypt and Ethiopia and Libya, and from Asia.
where they had Syria, Armenia, Pontus, and the Parthian Empire. The people who gathered in Jerusalem for the festivals would have sounded very much like those builders in that valley in Shinar once their language was confused. Except they wouldn't be panicked because this was totally normal for them. And all the followers of Jesus, who were all Jews who spoke the same language, had stayed the entire 50 days there in town because before he left, Jesus told them to wait and to be there on that very day because they were going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They must have been so excited. So let's read what happened from the book of Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together, and they were confused because each one heard them speaking in their own language. And they were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't these the Guys, you're speaking Galileans? How is it that each one of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own languages. Well, dang. <laughs> that must have been so amazing. Just imagine all those people who speak so many different languages and so they hear this huge loud sound and they all look around to see what's going on and they were probably all thinking, of what had happened at Mount Sinai when God spoke to the people with a voice that sounded like thunder. And they would have been very anxious to follow that sound wherever it was coming from because it was a festival day and they would certainly be expecting something amazing. And then they would have all found, you know, the followers of Jesus all saying the exact same thing in the language of absolutely everyone that showed up. In a few weeks, we're going to learn the story of how God made it impossible for the different groups of people to talk to one another. And, you know, they all knew this story by heart. And they were seeing that God was undoing that at last but only in the people who were preaching about Jesus and the gospel of the kingdom. And they could see that, you know, these weren't educated men and women. They were all from Galilee and they would have been fishermen and farmers. They could speak languages that no Galilean had ever heard of before. Perfectly. 
They weren't having to translate God's message. They were speaking it in language they had never heard as if they were born speaking it. Now, why would God do that? Well, the people at the Tower of Babel wanted to build something for themselves that would make their names great, and God put an end to that nonsense, so they lost the ability to talk to one another. But when God wanted to build something to make his name great, a temple made out of people from every nation, tribe, and language on earth, a multicolored temple, he made a miracle so that everyone could understand and go back to their homes and teach this wonderful message of God in their own country so that everyone who loves God and Jesus could be one people, just like they were at Babel. I love you, and I'm praying for you, and I pray that you have a wonderful time studying the Bible with the people who love you.